Before we get started, I want to tell you about the sponsor for this week's episode. AB Jets is a great story and great company. I'm not exactly flying around on private jets during this stage of my life, but if I were, I'd be calling AB Jets. They're one of the safest private air companies in the world. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. AB Jets is one of the largest Lear 60 jet companies in the United States with nonstop access to most destinations around the U.S. Efficient, clean, and easy to work with, AB Jets is an experience that gets you where you need to go on time and with no hassle. Go to abjets.com for more information and book your trip today or call them at 888-520-JETS. That's J-E-T-S. This podcast is also sponsored by My Story. Have you ever thought about what if you could have your own audio and video interview for someone you love to keep and share for generations to come? What better way to keep and remember the life and story of someone you love than your loved one's own interview in their own voice? This is the perfect way to make sure your loved one's story stays with their descendants for future generations to come. Go to mystorytold.org to learn more. Again, that's mystorytold.org to learn more. Now we're going to get back to the show. But just from listening to stories, I met a couple of her family members and then listening to stories not only from my dad and other people in the community that grew up in that era. She was just a very loving and giving person. And um, that was a time when segregation was, I, was just I a, mean, that was a it was land. alive and well, but the four-way was never, she was not that type of person. Anybody could come in here and eat. Didn't matter who you were. And you ask, why did Dr. King come here? Hey, everybody. This is a first for this podcast. This week, I've got not one, but two guests. My guests today are Patrice and Jerry Thompson. Patrice and her family own and operate the legendary four-way restaurant out of Memphis, Tennessee. The four-way attracts visitors from all over the world. In addition to being known for its famous soul food, the four-way is also a place with rich history and significance. In this interview, you'll hear how Martin Luther King spent a lot of time at the four-way during the civil rights movement. Additionally, the restaurant has seen guests such as Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, Ike and Tina Turner, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, and many more. This interview is a great episode where you'll learn why the four-way is much more than only a restaurant. 75 years later, you can see the pride, the vision, and the sacrifice generations prior have made to get the four-way to where it is today. Why the four-way was a place of love and community during segregation and how it remains that way today. The challenges of running a restaurant during a labor shortage and the COVID-19 pandemic, how they've learned to pivot and adapt to make it through. Their vision for the future and how they want to see their once booming area return to what it once was, and much more. Please enjoy this week's episode with Patrice and Jerry Thompson. Patrice, Jerry, great to see y'all. 
Good afternoon. Good seeing you, Thank too. You. Thank you for letting this stranger come down to your restaurant. You are a stranger because you hadn't eaten anything yet. I know, well, I would have. I just didn't want to intrude. You oh, know? okay. I would have paid, too. I'm, I'm kind of sad. I had a turkey sandwich, and I was kind of, like, miserable eating it because I knew where I was coming. <laughs> Why didn't you order some food? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I got here at 3.55, and I felt... Well, you had ordered it. Well, I would have. I just didn't want to be that guy, so I just... We, we have a lot of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> we really do. Hey, before we started recording this thing, you were talking about some things in the restaurant industry regarding customer service, so right. I didn't want to be that guy. No, man. <laughs> it's all good. I hear you. Patrice, I read a quote, so if it's inaccurate, just let me know. But when you were talking about your father, you said if the sun was up, he was hitting the ground running until it was time to get to bed. He worked hard all of his life from sunup to sundown. And earlier you've talked about him as a businessman, but then him buying this restaurant. I'm just curious, what was that like for you kind of growing up and seeing these things about your father at a young age? It was always very inspirational, sometimes a little draining because he was constantly going and pretty much expected the same thing from me and my brother. But, uh... Both my parents were a huge inspiration to me personally uh, in different ways. My dad was full of energy, sun up to sundown. My mother was more of a laid back person. We were speaking of OCDs earlier. She was very (laughs) organized, extremely organized. So that's where I get that from. But um, my parents uh, inspired me to be the best that I could be and I could do anything I wanted to do. One of my dad's uh, favorite quotes was, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is best. Better Uh and your better is best. And pretty much he told my brother and I that as well as my children. So He told you that all the time? All the time. Did your mom work? My mother worked. She was a school teacher for Memphis City Schools. And uh, she retired after working... um, 38 years of school in Memphis City School. It was She was never working for Shelby County Schools. It was always Memphis City. She did the bulk of her time at Fairley High School. So you kind of got the best of both worlds. Hard I, work, but then organizing on top yeah. of stuff. And she was a hard worker. She was just quiet. I've had more than one person to uh, describe her as a quiet storm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure... If you want to run into that or not, but she was very uh, a big a hard worker and very organized. She was a business teacher for Memphis City Schools. Really? So she knew her stuff. Yeah. What was the restaurant like to you and your family? I know you worked <laughs> down the street. I know you said you were always here, church three times a week. What was your perception of the restaurant that you have now when you were growing up? I didn't get a chance. Actually, never came here with my family with my pa- parents. But I had a dear friend. Uh, actually, she's the friend I've had the longest outside of biological cousins or whatever. But her dad brought me here. And um, the setup of the restaurant was a lot different than it <laughs> is now. So coming in a back door and the ambiance was a lot different because it was kind of dark. It was kind of a pool hall too, right? Pool hall was right where, right behind where we're sitting. It's kind of like, this, was it kind of like a club? No, it was three, four businesses in this one building. 
the restaurant was on one end. Then towards the back. Toward the back. And actually where our bathrooms and stuff are now, that's where you sat. Plus when you walked in, but then the Miss Middlesex and our bay here was a shoe shop, barber shop, and this was the pool hall, and upstairs was a beauty shop. Okay. And so, I never I never actually entered any of the businesses except, except for the four-way. Gotcha. But it was just quiet, older men. People kind of didn't know what was going on. At the time, I'm like thinking, should I even be in here? <laughs> <laughs> like looking like, ooh, my mom and daddy didn't bring me here. I don't know. But like I said, my friend's dad took us, brought us here. Kind of felt like you'd be in was, trouble if your yeah, parents knew. Yeah, if my yeah. dad knew or yeah. my mom and dad went. But um, it's been a blessing since we've had it, though. You describe four different kind of entities here in this one property. It doesn't have not nearly the same feel, and I know we'll get to it later, that your father remodeled it and spent a year rebuilding it. I didn't grow up here, but I I did my research and, and, and got to know the history by talking to individuals and stuff like that. This was the meeting place for black Memphians and black Americans. Yes, sir. And... The pick, you know, the famous people like Dr. Martin Luther King who ate here and all that stuff like that. Well, we've still had, since we've owned it, the Jesse Jacksons, the Al Sharptons, any uh, major event that was happening in the community, individuals, politicians would come and they would uh, go upstairs and have meetings and that eat or even to the point where governors and politicians who doing doing uh, election times, they will always come here to get a picture with the people, if you will, of the community. So it's it's it, it has never lost that type of, uh, of uh, pedigree, if you will. Yes, sir. Why did Martin Luther King pick here of the different places around he, at that time? He ate at a, a lot of other places, but it was pretty much very, very, it was a central location. You got to understand a hundred plus years ago, the way everything kind of came together in Memphis, Tennessee, this was the middle class of of, 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 of black America. You had all your your uh, school teachers, your postal workers, you had your 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 ministers, you had some um, uh, very important great churches like we were speaking about, S.A. Owens and Metropolitan. You had uh, Booker T. Washington High School. So all of that was kind of forced together. So you had a very uh, large pool of talented people who did very, very great things, not only in their own families, but in their own communities. So when Dr. King and, and, and the civil rights uh, uh, movement and stuff uh, came about, he would, he would not only speak at uh, uh, other churches, but he spoke at uh, Metropolitan and things of nature. But you, you think about it like this. Remember I said it was a restaurant, a shoe shop, a barbershop, and a pool hall. So Mrs. Mrs. Cleves was very, very accommodating to uh, the movement. So... Dr. King didn't have a, quote-unquote, an itinerary, but it wasn't airtight and stuff like that. So she would leave the place open for them to come in and, you know, and hang out. And, and, and nobody would really, like Patrice said, you know, nobody would really mess with them so they can get their thoughts together. They can re, uh, go over stuff that happened to their plan for the next day and things of that nature. But you think about it, he can get his shoes shine, get a haircut, then come over here. Whether as quote unquote the real people, the real men were, and b- believe it or not, he was a pool hustler. There's a picture of him on the wall <laughs> over there on a trick set, but he would take coins out of these quote unquote 
pool sharks in the neighborhood. Really? And, yes. and, and Ms., I never got a chance to meet Miss Cleves right. personally, but just from listening to stories, I met a couple of her family members, and then listening to stories not only from my dad and other people in the community that grew up in that era. She was just a very loving and giving person, and um, that was a time when segregation was. I was just. I a, mean, that was a it was land. alive and well, but the four way was never. She was not that type of person. Anybody could come in here and eat. It doesn't didn't matter who you were, and you ask why did Dr. King come here? I really feel like at some point somebody in Memphis recognized and knew the type of person that she was and introduced him to her, and he felt comfortable and at home when he would come here. I was told that she would say, for instance, if she closed at 10 o'clock and he didn't finish with his speaking or marches or whatever it may be, that she would reopen the restaurant to cook for he and his entourage. And Supposedly, from my understanding, she did it on numerous occasions. Every I mean, I don't know it for a fact. I'm just in December. I'll just be 55. So I have no clue as to saying that I know or I live that. But I've been told by so many different people that that's the type of person she was. She was very giving, very caring, and uh, didn't meet a stranger. And I find that to be very... Um, I don't even know what the word I want to use, but very parallel with the type of person my dad was. Right. And you. You well, think and, so? But I mean, from you. what I've read, I'll okay. looking at it. But you, got, you also but, have to understand that at that time, you had something called, doing segregation stuff like that, black folk knew where they could go and where they couldn't go. So, like, i.e., example, to uh, uh, overnight stays, was, it was the Lorraine Motel. Of course, they had a little kitchen and stuff there, but this was the premium uh, spot to get something to eat in Memphis. So it, would, it was right down the street, so it wasn't like it was too difficult for him to navigate. If you think about it, he was assassinated in the Ray Motel but the night before that. His speech was uh, um, at Mason Temple, and all that's within two-mile radius of here. And that's what I was telling you about how everything was kind Pivotal. of in the same area. So a couple of things just saying back what I feel that I've heard. So you're saying it's it's like if you come here, you know, you're building momentum in the right way. Or, is, or, is that fair? It's fair. Or you could basically say if you come here and you and you you're, people are taking pictures and say that you're here, then people in the community would say, oh, he's he or she have, has eaten at the four-way. So now, not to say, and I hate to use the word give them a pass, but at least we'll listen to them. And, and I mean. Who, who will listen to them? You know the uh, the uh, uh, voters or or you know whomever and stuff like because we had a situation they've won the people to some degree and, and I and I don't want to say it like that but you know because my wife and I I'm, I'm very cynical on certain things but like the, uh, the governor of, of of Tennessee he came here but he was brought here by some individuals who eat who had eaten here all the time well one person had but they came in and it was so funny that they took a picture outside. Uh, we take pictures of individuals coming to eat the four-way. Well, that picture was posted all over the state of Tennessee, and I had mm -hmm. a lot of my Republican friends calling me and contacting me on Facebook, like, oh, wow, great job, great job, great job. So 
this is, this is the place to be. It's always been that way. Did that irritate you? Did it feel like a play for the governor it to come here? It pissed me off. It did? Absolutely. He wasn't even here that I day. wasn't here. <laughs> and, and, what, and what I mean by pissed me off. And he came in. Uh, we opened at 11. He got here about 10.30, 10.40. And stood right over there. <laughs> didn't talk to anybody? Didn't meet anybody? We hadn't opened yet. We hadn't opened yet. They didn't come in to sit to eat. He spoke to me. And he had probably about 10 or 12 people with him. They all came in. He talked to me for about two to three minutes, and he left. Right. Took pictures. Wasn't the true thing. Well, and, and the point, the backdrop was the bridge. Remember the bridge situation? When you, uh, okay. Yeah, when you take you five hours to get to Right. Well, what was Memphis? going on? Yeah, it was well, around that time. backdrop was going on. You also had Mr. Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation, was here in town, but According to... He came down for that infrastructure thing. Right, but he, the governor didn't want his people to know, or his people, the Republicans to know, that he had to be in this meeting with Pete Buttigieg. So just, yeah. He didn't want the spotlight. Right. I got you. Right. But now, I must admit, he did come here when he was campaigning before he was governor. His, he and his, his wife came here uh, and, and uh, ate here twice. So, Patrice, we were talking about your childhood and sound like your parents were kind of tight, discipline, ruled with a heavy hand. Sound like they might not have loved you being in here. But obviously, we've, we, I mean, we could go, you know, I honestly don't think hours. my daddy would have ever brought me here. No. Yeah. Just because, and not to say that there was anything negative towards the four-way and the way it was being run back then. I just don't think my dad would have brought me here thinking that it wasn't appropriate for me as a little girl to come in here. But at the same time, he always respected this neighborhood, this corner, Miss Cleves, the bus- other business owners that were on this corner, Mr. Yarborough and different families. But I just don't think he would have brought me or nor my brother, maybe my brother, but not me. Because I've heard some stories about when you come to the four way, yeah. <laughs> some things that were going on. Right. You might come meet somebody that wouldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I just don't think side. my daddy would have been bringing me in here. But right. Back to your, saying, your notoriety of the four-way. One thing I must say, when Mr. and Mrs. Cleves opened up this business, Mr. Cleves was the driver to Mayor Crump, Boss Crump. And Boss Crump, Mayor Crump, had just as much to do with the notoriety of this place as Mrs. Cleves and Mr. Cleves. Matter of fact, the story goes that Mr. and Mrs. Cleve's home, uh, where they lived in Orange Mountain, was the first uh, street in the black community that got paved because that's how much he admired and respected Mr. Cleve's. So Crump had a lot to do with the popularity of this place because... Well, he was very instrumental in getting them started. Getting them started. Yeah, I, I don't remember everything in detail, but I, I did an interview earlier this year with Otis Sanford. And... There's a fair amount of the conversation about Boss Crump. Mm-hmm. So when I was looking at things prior to seeing y'all this afternoon, you know, I saw that about Mr. Cleves being mm-hmm. his chauffeur driver. But I couldn't really tell. Was that a good relationship with Boss Crump? He loved him. Crump loved Mr. and Mrs. Cleves. Yeah. Did they? I mean, as much as you know, did they had the first? How did he feel? How did Mr. Cleves and Miss Cleves feel about Boss Crump? They were family. They were family. From what I've been told. Right. Okay. So Mr. and Ms. Cleves have a nephew that's still living. 
in Memphis. And he and I have become acquainted, and I've talked to him, and he's told me stories. He's a little bit older than us, but he worked here as a little boy growing up. Yeah. So he has stories from back then because he worked with his uncle. And he's been in Boss Crump's house. Right. And his uncle was one, if not the only one outside of their family that could get into the Crump home because they trusted him. He was part of their family. Gotcha. Yeah. And then also another thing that we were talking about, it sounds like Miss Cleves was a loving lady, the way you described it. And it sounded like even though talking about right during civil rights segregation, she had a lot of love. When not everybody it was would. given love, is that is that fair? That's what I've I felt in just talking to, like I said, her nephew and different people who did grow up and come here on a regular basis. That she was full of love, and they even have um, the commercial that we did this past on year Google. with Google. They were able to find a clip with her saying that we serve love on a plate, one plate at a time. And matter of fact, to that point. Never met Mrs. Cleves, but the most amazing thing is when my father-in-law and my mother-in-law opened this place, one of the m- most memorable conversations I've ever had is, was in here and it was with four elderly white women who came in and sat down and ate here at the restaurant at the time 20 years ago when it opened up, and they were talking about their parents' uh, businesses in the community and how... They love to come and eat here as uh, younger ladies to the four-way. And I tell people all the time, I, I really believe this is the first integra- integrated restaurant in Memphis. Really? Yeah. I mean, you, you think about it, you had uh, Stacks and, 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 and uh, the other recording studios and stuff like that. And so with Mrs. Cleves being so inviting and Boss Crump making sure this place is uh, uh, well-known, you'd had... Stars, stars and idols, they would come and eat here after hours. B.B. Uh, King, Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, um, the Bar Case. Uh, Tina Turner. Yeah. Pop Staples, mm-hmm. you say them. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I'm kind of jumping ahead. You know, I've, I've not been to the four-way. Mm-hmm. I wish I had. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite barbecue places is Cozy Corner. Right. So I love eating all different places around the city. I just, honestly, I never heard about it from right. I told you until my buddy Greg, but right. I know it's, it's famous. Right. People come here around the world. Right. I mean, your reputation is impeccable. The way you run your business, you know, Patrice, the way I've heard you talk about customer service, the history of the food, et cetera. But from how y'all see it, what's some advice to kind of maybe live a little bit like Miss Cleves lived today where you kind of just love people and you're kind of just... You experience different people's cultures. You experience different people's uh, traditions, and you're kind, and you just kind of live in harmony, and you kind of get out of your comfort zone. I mean, does anything come to mind? Sure. My father-in-law, like I said, never met Mrs. Cleves, but my father-in-law, in, in, in insurance business and stuff like that, one of his best friends was Lamar Alexander, Senator Lamar Alexander. Right. They served on, on the boys' club uh, board. Uh, here uh, in Memphis and stuff like that. And the, one of the most amazing things about my father-in-law is when I'd come in a restaurant, <clears throat> he would always want me to talk to individuals and so forth and stuff like that. Your and father? One, your father-in-law? My father-in-law. And one of uh, the conversations, they had these three foreigners that came in and they were all uh, from Europe at the time and he wanted me to talk to them. 
And me being background in the restaurant business, plus selling food for uh, 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 Cisco and stuff like that, I had my mind on certain things compared to where we were doing stuff. So I sat there and was talking to them, and they were telling me how much they loved my father-in-law and how uh, magnanimous he was and how hospitable he was, and I, 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 those things I already knew. I asked them, why the four-way? And basically, they told me that, you know, uh, in uh, May, you have these festivals. So, you know, you have uh, 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 Memphis in May here. And then down in New Orleans, you have like the Jazz Fest. And then, of course, you have country uh, music in Nashville. So they would sell these junkets for uh, folks to come from Germany, Denmark, Sweden, you'd have you. And they'd come to Nashville, then they'd make their way to Memphis, then they'd wait to make their way to uh, New Orleans or vice versa. Yeah. And so the lady from Copenhagen told me, she said that the individuals that come to the United States are so amazed at what she didn't call us, she didn't call us black people. She said African-Americans have basically taken things with nothing and, 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 and turned them into something. She was referring to the music, and then she was referring to the food, and she was referring to some of the culture and how the influences of, of, of the black race have permeated not only here in America, but all, also uh, uh, in Europe. But then she said they want to immerse themselves not only in the music, but the culture. And the four-way was one of the last bastions where they could taste food the way it was cooked when... I don't know, B.B. Uh, uh, King or, or, or whomever was you know, growing up and stuff like that. So that right there told me that since I had never been here and not, not being from Memphis, that right there just said, said okay, fine, not only is this a, a, a restaurant, this, this is a mecca of, of, of American, black American and American history. Yeah, you're preserving. Exactly. Do you all feel that? Absolutely. When you put your feet on the floor in the morning? Have to. That you're preserving history, you're preserving taking ordinary food that was okay, and you're making it outstanding, and you're, it, you're preserving that in history modern day? <clears throat> so I feel like, like we're preserving food, food and history, but I don't necessarily would agree with you in saying that it was ordinary right. food that was okay hey. and making it extra. So, it, it was great food, and we're just trying to maintain and continue the greatness that it was. I was yeah. just talking about chicken itself chicken, or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I got you. And um, you're, you're taking it, and you're making it. Just trying to continue. like I love, mean, Or love on a plate, to yeah, what you talked about earlier. Yes. So she's very, very humble. And when my father-in-law passed, really, she that was not her mission in life to be a restaurant owner. <laughs> that was not. That, I mean, that... That was not it. I mean, it just wasn't. Wasn't even on the list. Wasn't even on the list. But <clears throat> at the time, you know, a lot of things were going on at the time when, when, he, when he passes away and, and she takes over and I'm helping and stuff like that. And so it was coming up on the anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. So everybody wants to come here because he's eating here and so forth. And they want to have interviews. They want to take pictures. They want to, you know, know where King sat and those type of things. And so this... Uh, her, one of her first interviews with the with the uh, food and, and uh, 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 culture, uh, I can't forget her name. And so the story came out, and it was all wrong. Had her name wrong, had her last name wrong, misquoted the whole. And we don't get the newspaper, but we had so many people calling us and telling us, they got your name wrong here. 
this isn't right, that isn't right. And it was to the point where um, Mr. Mr. had to come back and do a rewrite on it. But it mattered to so many people in the community that we, one, we knew, but didn't know how important that story would mean that, you know, here is uh, the, uh, the daughter of uh, Will Earl Bates in this interview, and it's, you know, so, yeah, it, it matters. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a shooting at Common School. And I heard you fed everybody. <laughs> I fed the staff. Just the staff. We were attempting to feed the whole school, but just so happened they had gotten the school lunches for the students. So I had already had my staff in motion cooking food and making plates. And rather than stop, I told them to continue doing what they were doing and my daughter and the remainder of the staff were here. I was at my church because Metropolitan is the church that they came to or brought the kids. And I went down to help. Um, to the school or to the church? To the church. Okay. When they transported the kids from the school to the church as a safe haven, I just immediately put my jacket on because it was raining that day, put my raincoat on and went to the church and put myself back into staff mode. I was the uh, office manager there just under 15 years. So, I mean, and I've been there all my life. So I just went to help because that's just what I know or what I've been taught to do in my life. And um, with no intentions of being seen, recognized, noticed, or anything, I was simply trying to help in a time of need to help my neighbors, help my community. Well, I hadn't even gotten a chance to tell my husband this or my daughter. I opened some mail yesterday, and it's from a local church, a church in the community, and they are wanting to give me an award for my community service for that particular incident, and I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm very thankful. But when I tell you it's so not necessary, because I was raised that if you cannot help someone as you go along the way, I mean, what, why are you living? I mean, you sh- that's what you're sh- supposed to be doing. And that's just how, and I appreciate them recognizing me and giving me an award. But uh, that was not my intentions. You know, that's not why. A lot of people do set out to get recognition, but that is definitely not mine. And for some reason, I feel like from the Cleese family, to the Bates family, Thompsons, that's just what we do. That That's uh, a commonality that the three families have. And um, yes, we are, there's an argument whether or not we're the oldest <laughs> or one of the oldest soul food restaurants in the city. But for 75 years, that's what we've been doing. Not just serving soul food, making people's bellies full and happy, but Helping trying people. to bring bring people together in the community, helping people when they need help. That's pretty much how I am. You asked the question about the young man. It was that our son. He's not our son. He's our godson. His family it was, and his family still need help. But growing up with Jerry and our son, I mean, he was totally in in a wrong situation. So my wife said, "Well, uh, we need to help him." And I'm like, well, okay. And so he lived with us, and he didn't. He said he was going to college. He, there was no way he was going to make it to college. But 
we made sure we did what we need to do to get him where he need to be. Sheesh. Can you, is there a story? I mean, I, I'm sure you could probably list 200, but is there something like that's concrete in your mind of seeing something with your mom and your dad early on where you saw them do what you just said? <laughs> if you're not helping somebody along the way, what are you doing or what are you living for? Essentially is what I felt like I heard you say. Is there a story where you saw that early on and it just got ingrained in your mind or your heart? Of course, there's several stories, <laughs> but one in particular happens to be uh, there's a young man uh, who I consider him my brother. I only had one biological bro- sibling, my brother. And he sadly passed away. Passed right? away before both my parents in 2013. Um how did he pass? Can I ask that? They say heart attack. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. He hadn't been sick, so. All right. But that's what, yeah. My dad grew up in Lemoyne Gardens, and there was a young man uh, who's about six years younger than me who grew up in my church, as well as he grew up in Lemoyne Gardens. My dad literally, uh, in his younger days, I mentioned to you, he had several pieces of rental property or real estate. I think you said 12. Yes. He actually cut those grasses by himself himself. with maybe one or two people helping to pick up grass. The young man did or your dad? My dad. But my dad, every Saturday morning for years, will pick this young man up. And uh, his name is Kevin Cox. He wouldn't be upset if I called his name. But he... Kevin is not the only person my dad helped, but he's one who sticks out because he's family. We grew up in church together, and um, he said out of his mouth many a times, Kevin has, that he learned more from my dad than he ever learned from his own father and uncles and people in his life. But my dad, every week, would pick this young man up early in the morning without fail And he would stay with him all day, just teaching him a work ethic, teaching him how to take care of, you know, just be a man. And um, Kevin actually, in turn, worked here at the four-way once my parents started the restaurant. And he actually was working with us, like, part-time up until the uh, Mm pre-pandemic. So... As recent as January of 2020. But I saw that. My daddy would go get Kevin from his mom. He'd stay with him at maybe mid-morning because they would leave out at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. And somewhere around 9 or 10, my mom would, we'd be at home cleaning up. But my mom would fix breakfast and he'd stop by and let Kevin eat breakfast with him at the house and then they'd go back at it. And uh, he just taught him a lot. He was raised like, him like a son. Yes. And he taught him everything he needed to know. Yes. And then expected him to be at Sunday school <laughs> the next day at church after they washed the cars mm. <laughs> that evening. <laughs> well, yeah. and y'all hadn't done too bad yourselves. You got a daughter that majored in biology, right? Yes. And then you got a son that went to the Naval Academy. Yes. And he's still serving with the United States Navy. Yes, sir. So. We're proud. It's obviously paid off pretty well. Absolutely. No doubt. To go back, I'm just curious. It seems like just drawing conclusions off what you're saying. If you're helping people, there's a lot of uh, unpredictability 
Absolutely. going on in life. Yeah. But you also seem okay kind of with the chaos or the unknown. Is that a fair statement? It's a fair statement. And I'm going to say this as I've gotten older. I don't consider myself old, but as I've matured <laughs> and gotten older, <laughs> I've learned to be a lot um, very patient and to not uh, fly off the hook or handle when things don't quite go right. Back to the uh, fact that I said I think I got my organization and planning skills from my mom. I think that's where that came from. And I do a lot of planning and preparing. And I feel like in the best laid out plan, you still might have something to go wrong. And when it does, I just have, uh, I think, matured over time and continue to rest on my faith in God and know that it's going to be all right. Some kind of way it's going to work out. I've gotten up in the mornings some days and I only have 10 employees. And out of 10 employees, two of them call just, bam, I'm not coming to work. No good legitimate reason I'm not coming. Then I get here and two more don't show up. And then the air conditioning goes out in July. <laughs> and you got four employees down, air conditioned down. So, you know, I could freak out and just be wild all over the place. But I usually say a quiet prayer don't and know that God is, you know, <laughs> know that God is going to take care of us, you know. And Have you seen that time and, it, and time again? It has never, never he's never failed. failed. Never failed. Yeah. It, it's always been, I mean, and through this pandemic, we've been very blessed. Any grant, blessed. Any grant that I thought I could apply for and get that didn't that I didn't have to give blood <laughs> for, I've tried to apply for everything. We've been blessed to receive several grants. <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, it's been hard. It's still hard. Very hard. I mean, we're still struggling because I don't have enough employees right now. That is, I guess, the most challenging thing right now next to getting um, what I don't want to say inferior, but uh, products that we're not accustomed to giving the same quality. The quality slipped? Yes. Why? Just because of supply? The uh, supply, supply issues. The same yeah. thing, like we we don't have employees or we're looking for more employees. The same thing is with our providers. The same thing is for with the manufacturers. The same thing with producers. That, do, you, I mean, do you think they prioritize bigger oh, volume accounts no over? No doubt. No doubt. See, if you're a, a single restaurant... You're going to get the shaft on stuff? Well, I'm not going to say the shaft. Uh, I, I don't well, mean that uh, No, no but you're, you're, you're spot on. I'm just being direct. No, no, you're fair. You're spot on. But how? besides being married to my wife, I've been in restaurant business all my life, and I'm a little bit older than her. But I used to work in several different capacities. I worked with Cisco Food Services. I sold food. I, I've, been a, I've been a butcher. You know how it works. I know how it works. And so... What we have, uh, what we try to do is try to prepare for whatever comes up, comes about. But not only prepare for, but just be practical and understand our limitations. Because there are so many incredible opportunities that come our way that we have to just turn down because one, our folk are already overworked. Two, we are overworked. 
and we don't want to do anything and not give our best and it comes out half-hearted. That, your reputation takes so long to build and it could go away in, a, in, in, you know, in, in an instant. And that's one thing that I learned from my father-in-law. He cared about this community so freaking much that I don't care what was going on. His mind wasn't being changed on what he was trying to get accomplished to get this thing back up and going the way it was when he was a little boy. I mean, that we would have discussion after discussion. I'm talking about up until he died, how important that this stay open. Are you talking about the four-way? The four-way. Not just this area. No. So, the, well, no, the area, too. He wants... He, his, but he felt like this was the, 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 the centerpiece. The centerpiece to bring back this community the way it was when he grew up. When the four-way started to slip a little bit, did the area around it slip because of that? Absolutely. And then when the four-way got, came roaring back... When your father you bought it? because of that? I think it was because of that and because of the fact that you had people who were living in this neighborhood that moved out. Moved out. They, they, they either moved got older, away. moved out, moved to they the suburbs. They passed away or moved away. So I think it was a combination and Memphis, of uh, not just, just the four-way. But uh, again, remember Jerry said this corner had several businesses. Yes, ma'am. And across the street where the weeds are directly across there. That was a movie theater movie that theater. I heard my dad and his sisters talk about how they went to the movie theater. That was the movie theater that they could attend, and they would go there. That was one of their, um, what, recreational activities mm-hmm. that they were allowed to do. You know, remember, it was segregated, yeah. but they would go there. My aunt, who's still living, her three siblings are all gone, but she was the oldest of the four, and they would she would walk them up the street. They would go to the movie theaters, and they watched several movies, and she said, we get snacks, and I, they may have had 50 cents or a dollar for all four of them, you and, know? And, and, and I'm saying a dollar, a dollar was probably more than what they had. Yeah. But um, this neighborhood was really vibrant. But you got to understand the type of people, not just the musicians and uh, entertainers, but you think about it, the first black mayor of of, of, of Washington, D.C., Marion Barry, grew up in, in uh, with my father-in-law in that community. I didn't know that. The first black mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, Willie Harrington, grew up in that, uh, that neighborhood right there. Well, Willie Harrington actually grew up well, on this street well, right I mean here. in the neighborhood. The no, man, he grew up in the street, street that's right, right behind here. Yeah. The man that initiated the Civil Rights Museum, my father-in-law's best friend, uh, Judge Jeremy Bailey grew up grew on the street, on the street right, right there. So when I when I was telling you, Memphis lost its best and its brightest because of people moving on, um, and, and literally white flight. Memphis before 1939 had more black millionaires in Memphis, Tennessee than you had in Atlanta, Dallas, and Nashville combined. Really, the richest man. In Memphis, Tennessee, was Robert R. Church, a black man. He was responsible for Memphis retaining its charter with the state. Really? What kind of businesses did he own? He owned all the property and land on Bill Street. He, his father was a riverboat captain, taught him how to read and write and hold nine yards. And then when yellow fever came about and people started dying and stuff like that, he purchased all of that property, had an insurance company. Wow. Things of that nature. So Robert and his home was in this community a few blocks away. So my father-in-law and the Army Bailey and, and Willie Harrington, they saw what 
uh, success look like. That inspired them. Absolutely. I mean, uh, a universal life insurance company, where my father-in-law worked, uh, the owner was... Um, a black-owned um, life insurance. Um, One of the few black-owned life uh, uh, insurance Jesse companies. Turner. Jesse Turner. So uh, you know where the Universal building, building is, is right at now. the corner of Linden and Danny Thomas? They, it's uh, yes, the city. They have different. The mayor has an office in there. Yes, ma'am. And then, so that's where Universal Life Insurance uh, main right. office was. My father in that building. My yeah, dad yeah. worked in that building. Yeah, and my father actually, I was talking to you earlier about my daughter having internships. Right. That was the only place but I had I, an internship. But my father, <laughs> I, was was, I worked there. I worked there in the summer every summer between college. But my yeah. father's uh, mentor growing up was Mr. Olive, who worked at who's a millionaire. Yeah. Who lived right across the street from the church, who took, just like my father took Kevin Cox under his arms, Mr. Olive took my father-in-law under his arms and made sure he had the straight and narrow. So this was the precipice. It was popping back then? Yeah, I mean, this was it. This, this, was, this, was, this was the gold mine, the fertile ground for all the success that, and I, and I say America's success, but I'm just saying it just happened to be black. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. They were successful and they ran it. That's exactly right. I mean, I was talking about my wife. I met my wife in college, and she was telling me she was riding in the, in the backseat of Isaac Hayes' uh, uh, convertible in, uh, in the neighborhood she grew up in. I'm like, whoa, I'm from Louisiana. I mean, okay, I know somebody that know Isaac Hayes. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> but with all that being said, I think it was important to my dad yeah. that he grew up in Lamorne Gardens. Uh, Lamorne Gardens. Mm-hmm. And... When they start to uh, regentrify the neighborhood, right. they changed it to College Park, Park. and the four-way was closed. Even though he had started investing into real estate, he found this as an opportunity to him for him to keep a part of the community. When you said regentrify, a- what year was that? Mm-hmm. This is the, uh, two years after Willie Harrington became a, a mayor. So... We were, we were it was living right in before two, maybe the late nineties. Yeah, late nineties. What? Yeah. It, I'm showing my ignorance, but regentrify. What exactly does that mean? So they tore down Lamorne Gardens. Right. Okay. The whole neighborhood. Right. That whole was that Foot Homes too. Was that a part of right, a separate deal? Foot, foot Homes over okay. on this side. That was a separate deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, okay. And that came oh, uh, some years later. Mm-hmm. But no, Lamorne Garden was was that way. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is. I used to say my dad lived in the projects in right. Warren Gardens. I was totally corrected that those that were apartments. apartments. They were not the projects. Because everybody that grew up in there, they said, no, that was... Those were apartments. Apartments that we... Because people didn't really know what it was. Well, they, they didn't the, know... The pride that people took in... I think that, yeah, it The was pride, pride that they had in, 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 in trying to not only maintain their dignity, but also instill that into their children. I mean, it, it was fertile ground for, for, for success. And I think seeing the projects, projects... Uh, that would be a very, very uh, negative term. It's, uh, yeah, it's a little... Uh, negative connotation. Demeaning. It's insulting. Yeah. It's, it very much so. And they were like, no, they were apartments. So It's like somebody doesn't know what they're talking about by saying that projects. Oh, I've been corrected oh, so many so times. Many t- <laughs> yeah. I mean, and um, <laughs> so when they tore them down and just started to rebuild and build what we know now as College Park, uh, he just noticed that, hey, I want to have a piece of my neighborhood that I grew up in. Right. And that's what led him to start investigating, being able to uh, purchase some more property in this particular neighborhood. 
What would have happened if your dad didn't do that? I don't know. He said he doesn't think the four-way would have reopened. Somebody might would have reopened it. But not the four-way. But I'm not sure that they would have reopened it keeping the the name four-way. It would have changed. Right? I, that's what I, I, I believe it probably would have changed. Yeah, something would have come here. Because, but. and I think they may would have had a restaurant. But yes, I definitely think it would have changed. You've said, I, I read something that you said, there's change going on in this neighborhood, but it's not happening at the way you wish it would. Absolutely. Something to that effect. Is that true? Mm, right. That's true. And I'm saying this from a standpoint of like curiosity and understanding. What do you wish had changed faster? I mean, I know we, we could have a movie theater right there. No, no, no. And can you explain that? The attitude and how we go about trying to um, invoke the change we're, we're looking for. Uh, this is the poorest zip code in the entire state of Tennessee. Are we 38126? The poorest zip code in the entire state of Tennessee. With the best food. The poorest the- <laughs> zip code in the entire state. But look at the, uh, the irony. You had some of the richest people, black people in, 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 in Memphis and in the country that lived in the same zip code 70 plus years ago. Yes, sir. Okay. And with my father-in-law's vision of trying not only to own a piece of his community and bring it back, he did not know he was going to open it back up as the four-way. My wife and I had gotten married, and we were living in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm in the restaurant business, and I'm watching these, these, these shows on, on the infancy of cable, and they had this show, the top five. So, so you, for- wait, sorry. Y'all lived in New Orleans. We lived, we, we, we met, uh, at Xavier University, and when we got married, we lived in New Orleans. Okay, all right. We were married 30 years, and the first three years of my marriage, we lived there. Lived okay. There. But there was this show that came on cable. It was the top five soul food restaurants in America. Four to five were open. The one that was closed was this. And I'm watching it, and when we just happened to be at home at the same time. I said, Patrice, how come you never took me to the four-way? And what she explained to you about not coming in, stuff like that, because I, I had no clue. Well... Fast forward, she gets pregnant with our, our, our first child, our son. We move back to Memphis, Tennessee. This property presents itself. My, my father-in-law and a friend of his purchased the property. He purchased it because he wanted to have a part of his community. So I'm like, why don't we just open it back up as a restaurant? Open it back up as the four-way, not the four-way grill, because I didn't know who owned the, uh, the, the, the name rights that and stuff. I said, just the four-way. So that's how that came into being that he took the building, gutted it, and the whole nine yards, stuff like that, and he was going to reopen it as the four-way. So he didn't, he didn't have to do this. No. He didn't have to work. No. Well, he wanted to work. But, but he didn't have to. No. He'd spent, what'd you say, 35, almost 40 years in the insurance? It insurer? was more than 35 years, 40. He was trying to transform. And, try- and that's all he ever did. So he didn't done. know anything but insurance do. and the bit of real estate that he had kind of touched here and there, but that was what he had done. What if, but he wasn't ready to sit down and do right, nothing. Right, right. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick pause here from the show and hear a word from one of our sponsors. After that, we'll get back to the show. Do you want to make efficient use with your time? Now more than ever, traveling hassle-free is harder to find. AB Jets is one of the safest private air companies in the world with impeccable service with nonstop access to most destinations around the USA. 
AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. Bypass the hassle and get an AB Jets jet card that gets you 10 or 25-hour flight options that makes your experience hassle-free. AB Jets carries up to eight passengers and is one of the largest Lear 60 operators in the U.S., Go to abjets.com for more information or call them at 888-520-JETS, that's J-E-T-S, to travel on your own terms. This podcast is also sponsored by My Story. Have you ever thought about what if you could have your own audio and video interview for someone you love to keep and share for generations to come? What better way to keep and remember the life and story of someone you love than your loved one's own interview in their own voice. This is the perfect way to make sure your loved one's story stays with their descendants for future generations to come. Go to mystorytold.org to learn more. Again, that's mystorytold.org to learn more. Now we're going to get back to the show. From your standpoint, when your father bought the place with this partner, to now, if you could have it your way, what else would have changed by now? We Neighborhood, like, whatever else you want to say. We, but we, we would like to see, and, and it's starting to come, we would like to see more businesses come back to the area. 103 years ago, there was a grocery store by the name of People's Groceries that was here. It was owned and operated by three postal workers who just happened to be black. They were so successful in, in, in the operation of that business, the white business owners in the area got together to try to intimidate them to close their, their shop. Not only when they caught wind of it, <clears throat> the crowd gathered in front of their store. The gentleman shot in the air to disband the crowd. The people from the crowd went and got the sheriff. The sheriff came and arrested the three African-American men in their own store. What year was this? This is 103, 104 years ago. Okay. So... There's a picture on the wall of Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells lived in this community. She was a teacher and educator, and she was also the uh, godmother to one of the gentleman's children. She heard about it, stuff like that, so she went downtown, and people in the community was telling her not to do that. And she said, I'm going down there anyway. I want to see what's going, going to happen. Well, when the sheriff released the three men, the crowd came, came together again, now 75-plus. They took those three men, and they lynched them. She was there and she witnessed it. She wrote about it and she wrote about it in such graphic detail that not white people, but black people in this community was urging her to leave because they felt like the wrath of God was going to come down on them. So she had to leave Memphis and that story was ran in other publications in St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. And she wound up living in Chicago. The ironic thing is, Boss Crump is from the same place that Ida B. Wells from Holly Springs, Mississippi. And so that happened in this community 103 years ago. And, and, and we bring it to light is when Dr. King was assassinated and they wanted to do the 50th anniversary of assassination. I was bringing, I was telling my kids, my children, my son, my daughter, my Sunday school class, that through faith and hard work, things can come back to where they were. It was 103 years you were successful, then all of a sudden you had all this other stuff going on, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, but I wanted my kids to know their history of what 
was going on in their community. And my mother-in-law and father-in-law was so serious about this community that they deemed it so that this restaurant belongs to my wife and my son and daughter to keep the legacy going. Yeah. So we want to see more vibrant businesses come back to this community. And the bu- the building next door is ours now. We, yeah. But, but, but when I was a little pertinent. girl, it was a pharmacy. Really? Black-owned pharmacy. Uh, owned by a black man whose family went to my church. Really? And that's one thing that I don't want to make that building a pharmacy, <laughs> but I wish we had a pharmacist directly, you know, just a drugstore. There was a you cleaners know, a in Bible, this area that uh, everybody talked cleaners. about. And like you, you said, movie theater, it would be lovely to have a movie theater. Right. Everything right here. that we all need or a have to. Store. We're not opposed to another restaurant. A nice grocery store. I mean, just stuff that they can stay, the people who live in this area can stay in this area and get what they need. So yeah. ironically, They don't have to catch the bus to go somewhere or drive 10 or 15 minutes to go. It's right here in your uh we do have a um, market. What is it? I don't know. The, the, uh, oh, well, the uh, farmer's market. The with, farmer's uh, market down, down at the, the street, corner of Mississippi and Parkway. And it's really nice, but we need a grocery store. In but the ironic thing is you have all these world-famous people from all over the world that have come here and dined in the poorest zip code in the state of Tennessee. And the only two things that are uh, that are, are generating taxes, and I may be wrong for this, in this zip code, um, uh, is this restaurant, that cemetery, because the school is a nonprofit and the church is a nonprofit, and then all the other homes and stuff like that have people have died and you know uh, it's just blight. And we just would like, and to that point, people have come in and said, well, you know, we want to do, we want to be a, a, a nonprofit, and we want to open up a STEM center. Okay, we have STEM centers. That's great. Soulsville has got that covered. There's one over here, but they want to open up another one over here. We don't need STEM centers. We need places restaurants, where people, cleaners, cleaners, pharmacies, uh, 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 coffee shops. We need stuff that people can learn, kids and young people can learn a work ethic that they can move on and, and, and continue to build and develop. And it might not look just like it, but right. similar to Overton Square. Right. Yeah. Why can't Mississippi Walker be? Oh, the Cooper Young area. Cooper Young. Yeah. You know, just another. All these pockets. Yeah. Like but, when you go to New Orleans. Right. Which but, I don't know if that. I mean, I could no, be off. No, but you go to all these pockets all over New and, Orleans, and, and, and it's happening because there's there 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 is growth. There there are properties that are being built a mile and a half away from us, or half a mile away from us that was going to have individuals like my daughter and stuff staying there. You know, and uh, this generation, you know, they're not into big cars stuff. They walk, they ride their bikes and stuff like that. So I want not, the forward not only be a, a place where people can come and say, "Well, this is because that where Dr. King ate." No, I want people to come forward and say, "Man, they got the best damn fried chicken in Memphis." Yeah. They got, they got the best catfish in Memphis. Or, oh, by the way, all their vegetables are, are done without pork. So I'm, I'm a, a vegetarian. I can. I, I, we have offerings like that. Yeah. When y'all thought that y'all might feed that entire school, but where, there was a teacher that she fed. Right. No. I know. Oh, but yeah, oh, but yeah, you yeah, were yeah, yeah, you right. were gonna feed. Oh, that was my intention. as much yeah, as you was, could. That was the was Yeah, because she out. closed she closed the restaurant down. <laughs> she did. She did. She closed the doors. Do you ever think about? Financial cost. Finish answering your, asking your question. Is that what you were going to ask? Uh-huh. Why? What do you think I was going to ask? I don't know. Jerry interrupted you, and I don't know if uh-huh. he changed your question. Actually, I think Jerry's doing great for, for the way <laughs> for it was framed at the beginning. <laughs> and what he, called, what he told me not to call him at the very beginning, I won't get put on the uh, recording. Do, do you ever uh, think about financial cost? 
Oh yes, all the time, every day, all day. No, but but in a circumstances no. like that, no, that didn't even run across my mind. We I feed guess homeless people. It just goes people. back to my faith and, and 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 my trust that the God that I serve has got my back. He's always had my back. He's always gonna have my back. I was just talking to a gentleman that grew up with my dad last week, and. I'm always at all or amazed at what they my dad's generation. My parents' generation, they pretty much had nothing. And but they, I can I could probably just name oh gosh, 40, 50 people who they had nothing. Example, number one, my family, my grandmother raised four children. By herself, because my grandfather left my grandmother living right down there when my dad was five years old. My grandmother raised four children by herself with the assistance of other people in In the the neighborhood, in the community. They worked together. But uh, the man my husband mentioned earlier, B.G. Olive, was... A father to my dad. He was like my third grandfather. He did to your dad what your dad did. To Kevin. Yes, Absolutely. Exactly. And he lived in the big house in the neighborhood. So before you get to where my dad lived, in two, a block, a half a block down, and he was a millionaire. But my dad just stepped out like one day, hey, can I cut your yard? Can I do this? Or is there anything... He was trying to make money to help his mom. Right. Your dad. He took, my an, he took initiative early. That's what I'm yes. about that and wagon, he saw it. That wagon yes. that's out there, that's what I'm talking about. My dad threw uh, newspapers, newspapers, woke up early in the morning. According to what I understand, 5 o'clock in the morning, threw newspapers, went home, took a bath, got dressed, and then went to school. Oh, by the way, played football. And went to uh, Tennessee State and played football. So <laughs> my grandmother raised four, three girls and a boy. They all went to Tennessee State University. Daughters all were educators. They uh, all graduated from Tennessee State University. One of the first black librarians in Shelby County is his, is his sister. And I, when I tell you I'm always amazed oh and goodness. at all and just looking at my friends and I have parents and grandparents that literally grew up in this neighborhood. They had homes or whatever. Uh, one of my... Closest friends, uncle used to live where this white building is, right behind behind this white building. He had a little little corner store. I mean, but it was just amazing what they did and how resourceful they were in taking, to me, practically nothing and make a living out of it. Yep. This- and to think about my grandmother who had a, I'm sorry, but a husband that was... Not very loving. I'm trying to find a nice way to put this, but... <laughs> Jacking around. Probably no... Keep going. Oh. He left. Just got mad at her. I can go into deep, but not to put my personal business out, but he decided he was going to go. He moved to St. Louis. Started a whole new family. Just bailed. Yep. To this moment as we speak, they've never gotten a divorce, but he... Married and started a whole new family, family. Did, and did left you, my my grandmother here. Did she but work? She, my grandmother, yes, yeah, she mm-hmm. worked. 
So she worked full time and raised four she kids. She was a domestic worker. Mm-hmm. After and, she was, uh, have you ever heard left. of Ace Wobs on Bill Street? Yes, ma'am. She worked there for years. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she worked there for years. And when I say years, I'm talking 15, 20 years. And when she but walked along through the with neighborhood, being a domestic. oh, that's Mother Bates. <laughs> If Mother Bates told you something as a child, you better have done it because she was going to tell your parents. <laughs> she didn't jack around. Yeah. No. And like, and then things, when I say nothing, you think about, I could show you pictures of oh my, my dad God. and his sisters in pretty dresses. I and mean, the finest of clothing. But if you think about a single mother back in that day, how did she do that? How did she get that done? How did she accomplish all that? How do you, how do you be dealt circumstances like that? And obviously be someone of discipline and toughness and responsibility, but then also be loved and not be hated. Well, How do you see that play out? You remember what I said, this community, how the, they had teachers and professional folk and educators and stuff like that. So if you came from a single parent home, the expectation was set by you at home, in the classroom, at church. Uh, on the went. street, like like Patrice said, she wouldn't couldn't come. I have talked to people that are older now that said that man, if their dad saw them in front of this pool hall, would get beat. There was a gentleman who was uh, one of the first police officers who was coming out of a book. He, he his his grandfather owned the the uh, barbershop here, and he would clean up the hair and stuff like that. He would love to go play marbles and stuff, and he would out, went out and play marbles. And his granddaddy came out there with that strap. Leather strap that would uh, uh, keep the edge on the straight and beat him all the way back he over. He said he was fascinated with marbles. <laughs> marbles, that was his game. He was really fascinated with marbles <laughs> yeah. as a little boy. Just the, the sight of a marble, and he learned how to play. But his granddaddy was like, "No, you're not. That's not what you're gonna do." Yeah, you know, you're not gonna be sitting on the corner shooting out there no marbles. Because like no. I'm sure in this neighborhood there were several different places they could shoot marbles, but he had a little place he'd like to go. And shoot marbles, but his grandfather caught him one day. He said he whipped him <laughs> with one of the straps. All the way said, back to the I have literally, to this day in my life, never touched a marble since then. That that one beating, beat it all the way down <laughs> Mississippi. But I think uh, they had pride. They when had I said, pride, when I said and they pride. taught, and they were determined that you're gonna be somebody. You can be somebody, and. I don't know. I'm just, when I think about it, like, it very, uh, it bothers me a whole lot now that we here at the four-way are unable to find people who want to work. I, I don't I don't get it why the four-way and millions of other restaurants and businesses cannot find employees right now. Yeah. What went wrong? Why are people so lazy? Why do people not want to work? Mm. Why are people so okay with doing the quick thing or quick fix or something illegal to get some fast money or rather than having an honest living and going to work every day, getting up, going to a job and making honest money? I I don't get that. that. I really am confused. To that point, my father-in-law would help. A lot of people, a lot of people that, like she said, he wouldn't allow, he wouldn't think it'd be nice for her to come to the forward. Well, he, he would help gentlemen and people who 
who had fallen down on their luck. They would help them go paint. And he would hold their money because he knew if he gave it to them, what they would do with it. He'd make sure their rent got paid. I mean, he, I never forget, and I, I, I apologize, I don't know the lady's name, but was, she was the first black female to be on the Shelby County School Board. And when she was running for that position, when my father-in-law passed and she was sitting here eating in the restaurant, and I introduced myself because we had met her when the kids were little going to Peabody and stuff like that. And so she's got this kind of rough... Uh, Sarah. Sarah. Um, I can't think of... But anyhow, so... And then uh, I, she said, well, who are you? I said, well, my, my, I'm Jerry Thompson. My kids went to Peabody High School. and we, Elementary. Elementary. And we gained so much inspiration from you. And, and so she, I said, thank you. So I said, and my father-in-law was the uh, owner of this restaurant. She said, Willie Earl Bates was your father-in-law? And I said, yeah. So she said it again. Willie Earl Bates was your father-in-law. <laughs> so I didn't know what was about to come out of her mouth then. She said, let me tell you about Willie Earl Bates. She said, when I, when I started my vision of trying to be on the, the school board. I would go to all these prominent pe- people, all these, uh, these preachers and all these uh, uh, well-known business people, and, and, and they said, well, you know, we, we're behind you, we're behind you, we, you know, we, we're pulling for, we're behind you. He said, well, I came and told your father-in-law, he said, next time I'm gonna have something I'm gonna put in your hands. So the next time she met, he gave her 10 $100 bills and said, put this towards your campaign. He did that every campaign until she retired. Didn't ask for anything, didn't want anything, but then I told her, this is the beauty of God. Here, you're telling this story, you oversaw his grandkids going to Shelby County Schools, and they turned out okay. So he's planting seeds then. For success. Yeah. And all those people that were, or a lot of the people that were probably saying, we're with oh, you. Know, she said they, they wouldn't follow through. No. But I mean, that she. T- and, and her name is Sarah Lewis. Sarah Lewis. Sarah Lewis was on the board, and a lot of people didn't like her because very she, was not, she was a petite lady, but she stood tall because she's very outspoken. She spoke her mind, she wasn't afraid to, and she stood up for what she believed in, despite how many people may be against her, that was just her personality. And um, based on what she said, I guess my daddy was one of her supporters and wanted to encourage her. And it did, because she'll tell that story. She didn't, she's told, I know I've heard it several times. I mean, I but wouldn't it made even a difference it. in her life. And she said he never asked for anything. He never went yeah. over and stuff like that. He didn't say, you remember me or clear his throat or anything like that. She said, but every... Time a campaign came around, he would put those those same. Uh, 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 That's a great story. Yeah, it sounds like your father could see things, lived out of his convictions, and didn't really care. Didn't care about, about who said what, about who said what, or what was nope. in the way. Nope. And he just he would, on, he just kind of get fixed on something and go after it. Is that fair? Yeah. Plowed over it. I mean, is is there anything? <laughs> is there anything that you can speak to on that that you've learned to where, from a human being standpoint, I'm not talking about anything like what we're talking about in detail here. You think about all the reasons why something can't happen or why it can't work, or you you know you question your own self or you know what your own talents are, or what your own capabilities are. But it seems like your dad just kind of was a trailblazer. 
if that's accurate. Oh, no, is, no doubt. Is that true? And did he teach you that? I mean, what was that like, if that's true? Yeah, I think my dad was a trailblazer in many ways. And uh, I know we're doing a lot of talking about my dad, but I'm going to have to say my parents both were both. trailblazers. She was not from Shelby County. She was from Haywood County. Right. But um, that's by Brownsville. Brownsville. Mm-hmm. She grew. They got up a Dairy Queen there. Yeah, I love going mm-hmm. to yeah. every time I go to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's not related. Actually, my godson that you met, he was like, "There's nothing in 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 Los Angeles like Dairy Queen." Yeah, he was like they don't have anything like that. But um, they got In and Out though. My um, yeah. <laughs> both my parents were, I think, trailblazers in their own way, they, in their own time, in their own industry, and uh, not only industry, of, but in their professional life as well as their personal lives. And both of them, uh, like I said when we first started, they were both uh, a great inspiration not only to me, but I can probably pick out several other people, children. Um, I was just at a funeral repast this past Monday, four days ago. Didn't realize it. I was sitting in the room, people just sitting around talking. And one of the young ladies I knew my mother had talked. And the other young lady told me, she said, your mom was awesome. She taught me so much about how to be a real lady, how to stand up tall and be respectful, how to conduct myself as a young lady. And again, I told you she was a business teacher. So she was a classy lady, and she taught us how to do that. And if you were going to be in her class, you were going to be classy. One of our church members at uh, younger, he was younger, was a student of hers, and when he spoke at her funeral, he was like, "Man, Mrs. Bates was the classiest teacher, uh, and I would try to do all kind of crazy stuff, but she always had a way of talking to me and appealing to my my better person, and now this young man is now a minister." <laughs> and back to your your actual question of him being a trailblazer, they both were trailblazers. But I think they both were because of who their parents were, right. who their parents were, the work who their grandparents been. were. How they were raised. I mean, for the simple fact that I told you my grandmother raised four kids basically by herself. While having a full-time job. Exactly. While having a full-time After, job. And not, not to say this in a derogatory way, because personally I feel like a sensitive, <laughs> incapable individual almost every day of my life, but... <laughs> You know, if a spouse walks out on the other spouse, a lot of people, it can be hard just to get over that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But not to mention you had four kids on top mm-hmm. of that and working full time. All, mm-hmm. all of them succeeded and strived for excellence. Right. Every last one of them. That's amazing. And it wasn't false pride. It was just a confident belief in my, my mother-in-law would tell my, my kids, know who you are and know whose you are. are. Meaning that you know how you were raised, you know what was imparted in you, and I don't care where you go, you better not forget that. And that was the most important voice anybody could hear, Mm -hmm. and that's why it worked out. So to be perfectly honest, trailblazing started like my mom would pick cotton in Brownsville. And according to what I was told, she would pick cotton better than her three brothers. Because <laughs> they would get lazy and put some cotton in there and go 
pee pee in the cotton to make it way make more. It way, so but at the end of the day, she had more cotton. Did she ever talk was, about that? She, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. All the time. Can you just somebody that's early 30s? Well, they had to pick cotton before they could go to school. Can yeah. you can you tell me? Can you tell me what that was like? White people, white kids were in school. Black kids didn't go to school until cotton was picked. And once the cotton fields were this empty, was, then they could go to school. So this would have been around. And she was a female now. Female. Nineteen. So ironically, my parents. Nineteen twenty. No, forty. No, 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 no. Nineteen thirty. In the fifties. In the fifties. Yeah. The same thing here in Memphis. The late forties to fifties. Yeah. Same thing. But in Memphis. just ironically, my my parents. My dad was a second child with three sisters. My mom was a second child with three brothers. Mm-hmm. Just ironically, but she was a female. Having to get out in the fields and pick cotton, just like her brothers, and then get and it wasn't it wasn't an excuse. And my mom was valedictorian in her class. class. Holy, she cow. graduated from high school at in 16. sixteen, went to college at sixteen. At sixteen, so she get up at five a.m. be out there. I think when the sun was when the sun was up, they were out there. Out. They what, were out there. I mean, and then she go to school. Like, well, I guess it depends on. And they had to walk to school. This is school. by the way. This I'm, I feel uncomfortable asking questions Why? because. Do you, Right. You don't have to be uncomfortable because that because one, that's one of the problems that we're suffering with in America at this particular point in time on how do we handle the actual history of this country. And my point in saying that is my mother-in-law, her, her parents, when I met them, they didn't feel slighted. Or, or, or complained about what they didn't have or what they should have had. All they knew was the responsibilities that were given to them by having the kids they had to impart in them the things they need to do to be successful in life. Why did they not feel slighted? Well, if you, if you don't know better, you, wouldn't, you shouldn't be able to do better. See, that's my problem with people today. We have too much access to things. One of the things... I've always, my, my mother-in-law, one of the things I respected about her so much is because if I had issues with my kids, I would always ask her for advice because she was so quiet. And, but she was also a school teacher. And That's stuff dangerous. Like that. Asking your mother-in-law for advice? We fought all the time, but I love every minute of it. Okay. I learned so freaking much. You about, ought to buy a bunch of lottery tickets. Then, <laughs> <laughs> you got a but, special favor on you. No, 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 because... <laughs> Because I and, I, and I would tell my two kids this, and I would tell myself, if I ever hear you disrespect your grandmother and grandfather, I'm going to jail. Because they have so much love and admiration and respect for you two, and they're trying to pour so much positive stuff, and if you don't gravitate to it, shame on you. Shame on you. So, dang. So, your grandmother... Or your mother. You said she picked faster than your brothers, and you said they were slacking off compared to her. Oh, and she was a cheerleader, too. <laughs> cheerleader. And she was a valedictorian. That's right. She was valedictorian. But, like, would she go to school at, like, 10, 11? Sometimes not at all? Like, can you—I'm I'm just curious. What's? I'm not a, sure about this. I'm, I'm just saying they, they would go later— but they, but you understand what I'm saying? But yeah. they still had they, they worked to, to get done. Yeah, they done. had to do that. Not work. only not only pick the cotton, they, she, she had work to do at home. When Exhibit B is getting up, getting some eggs and bacon, and going off to school, 
And they ate well simply because eating was necessarily, I'm not going to say it was easy, but they did eat well because my daddy and my granddaddy was a farmer. So he would, uh, he had his own garden. Garden. I mean, honestly, for years, I don't recall going to the grocery store when I was little, little, little was not necessary. We didn't necessarily go to the grocery (laughs) store. Yeah. So my grandfather had all the produce. Tomatoes, greens, cabbage, bell peppers, red peppers, melons, grapes, watermelons, pears, uh, plum trees, uh, fruit and vegetables. That's what my granddad had. My grandmother's brother had the cattle and the chickens. So they would barter. share and well, they ain't barter. They well, I'm just saying, share you know, and trade each other. They trade with each other. Right. So they really stuff. didn't go to the grocery store. Self su- sufficient. Yeah. And that's that's what they learned growing my, up. My grandparents got married. My grandma was 14, 14 years, years old. old. Wow. And not only 14. that, and her grandmother would mend their clothes and sew their clothes. Well, my mom didn't get her first store-bought dress until after she was, uh, I think, like 20, 21. You, my grandmother made all my, made my all mom's clothes. clothes, literally. I could take you to my house right now. I have a <laughs> coat. I have dresses that my grandmother made for yep. my mom. And Whoa. they better than any dress that we buy in the store right now. I mean, I mean I'm talking real the stitches co- I mean, still the cotton, there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and had a lining in it. It wasn't flimsy. Top notch. She didn't have to wear no slip because she had a lining in it. You were talking about trailblazing, and then I interrupted you. I was trying to see if we could double down on something. What were you going to say about that? Oh, I was just going to tell you. I just really think um, my parents were who they are because of their foundation inside their home. And and, 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 in the community. What they learned at home from their parents and grandparents. And my grandfather retired from two jobs. Retired from. Having both at the same time? No, 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 no. He was similar to what Jerry said. I was like, I've known people that had two (laughs) retired. No, no, no. (laughs) Similar to what Jerry said, so they didn't have a Cisco back in the 30s and 40s or whatever, but he was a truck driver, and he delivered food he delivered to the stores the in the uh, rural areas. Moscow, and he drove Tennessee. all up in East Tennessee, like between Brownsville, Somerville, Moscow. Uh, Jackson, and he did that. He retired from that job, and he stopped working for maybe... Year or two, got another job working at a, it was a driver for a nursing home. Mm-hmm. So he would take the clients to Walmart to, you know, just different little activities. He did, added another 25, 30 years doing that. So the first job he did it for 40 years. Holy cow. Yeah. Right. So he retired. He and mid, that's why I was telling right. you, he didn't, right. he didn't just quit a job, you know, like, he did the first one 40-some years, and then the next one 25, 30 years. he didn't want years. to retire, but because of his eyesight failing and things yeah. of that nature, he had to. He it was kind of like, dude, you can't right. drive no more. <laughs> right. But he he was still, he died in 97. He stopped driving at like 95. Right. I know you, you said you didn't see this coming, and I know you're an office manager. Do you ever regret taking on this responsibility? <laughs> <laughs> Regret it? No. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly, Are you ever like, what in the... Oh, yeah. 
All the time. Are we? Have I done? Oh like, I'm gracious. always wouldn't did my mom and daddy. And sometimes I know somebody probably say I'm going to get struck down by lightning. Sometimes I'm like, God, what the heck did you, were you thinking by taking my parents away and leaving this to me? My brother's not here. You know, you could have left it to him. <laughs> and I'm not ready to go just yet, but yeah. could have left it here. Some days and it I been could easier. have been, you know, doing something else, <laughs> still at the church. Yeah. However, you never know. Uh, my pastor at the time knows this, and a lot of people know it. My husband was totally against me working at the church in the first place. Heck yeah. Never, <laughs> he never wanted me to do that. Heck yeah. However, Jerry didn't. And I'm a deacon at that church. I told him, no, don't do it. However, <laughs> the working at the church Man, people are crazy. was uh, <laughs> in many ways a blessing in disguise for me and my family, him too. Oh, yeah. It's a because, blessing and um, a curse. It allowed me to be the mom that I needed to be when my children were little. That, now, that, that is, is flexibility. Is I that had what she had flexibility. Flexibility. Again, my background for being like my mother, I come to work and I can get all my work done by noon. And the rest of the day, I may be working, but it's not something that... Loving on people or yeah, serving your kids yeah, or the community. Yeah, whatever. But the stuff that had to be done, I got to work and between 8 and 12, it's done. I'm good. I can the rest of the day cruise through if I had to. If you can run a restaurant... There ain't no many people that work at a church but see, that can I, run a restaurant. I, but I was running restaurants Okay, at the time when we had gotten married, and my wife came to me and she said, you know what? When you're going to want to spend time with your kids, they're going to be grown and they're not going to know you. And so I happened to get a job working at Cisco with her, uh, her father, and that allowed me the flexibility, make my numbers, Hey, as long as I'm making my numbers, as long as I'm growing, I can go spend some time with my kids. Were you in the- sales? Yes, sir. I could. I bet you were just an awesome salesman. Unbelievable. <laughs> if you don't believe yourself, nobody else will. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the church, like I said, there were a lot of ben- benefits from working there. Not only did it allow me to be flexible in my family life, be Here for your the mom best, and dad best um mother that I could ever be. My days off were Thursday and Saturday, and I worked up here on Thursday and Saturday. It helped my parents out. Because the church is so close, if we had a family emergency, my pastor would be like, okay, go, and I might have to come up here and help Mm -hmm. out or whatever. Then the other thing that I didn't realize it at the time, I enjoyed my church responsibilities, the things that I was hired for, the hardest thing about working at a church is the Christians that you work with. <laughs> what, what, what Christians? So in working with People? my church members, please, I didn't realize it at the time, but it prepared me for this job. Sorry. Goodness, it did. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still laughing at that. It did. It really prepared me for this job. But what taught you patience? Taught you oh, how to navigate? Oh, so much patience. How to be firm, but how then to, also... How to be... Yeah, how to navigate people, <laughs> how to um, deal with selfish, oh disrespectful, rude people. It, it taught me a lot. Yeah, it, it really did. But to that point, I can give you so many scenarios oh, of things Lord. that I went through at the church that <laughs> I have learned how to deal with things here. You know, just because it, it, it happens it to happened. me at church. You know, but one of the beautiful things about this restaurant, and when my father was alive and my mother was alive, 
was my son and my daughter working here when they was little. They got to learn it, see it. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about taking the tra- trash out. I'm talking about peeling the yams. I'm talking about cutting the greens. I'm talking about washing the dishes. I'm talking about waiting on the customers. I'm talking about working the register. They learn so early about interpersonal skills and how to deal with public, how to make quick decisions, how to do those type of things. That So when, when they were, and, and my son was playing football, my daughter was playing volleyball, and when they wasn't, they were here. And my father-in-law and my mother-in-law took so much pride in seeing their grandkids interact with people that they grew up with or they knew and so and and having so this is my my grandson this is my 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 granddaughter but they learned so much so i mean they were good students and stuff like that but they learned so much about dealing with people that i think that's why they are successful now because of the the knowledge that they gained Early on, when I'm talking about early on, my, my son would play, have a football game on Friday night and Saturday morning, my father-in-law picking him up and on Sunday after church, he's coming over here, he's working the register, they're sweeping up. They, they, I mean, learned it all. Learned it all. Your kids, they, they were raised in the restaurant. They saw their grandparents. They saw y'all. They learned how to deal with people. But when you say deal with people, I mean, I think I have an idea. I know through my own you experience. You really don't. Okay. And the people that I'm talking about dealing with, I'm talking about actually dealing with me and their mother, me and their grandfather, because this job is so stressful and you're being second-guessed not by necessarily, well, you're being second-guessed by the customer, but you may be only being second-guessed by your, 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 your wife or your husband. So there have, been, there have been some, oftentimes some heated exchanges because of what has gone on in the restaurant and them either being privy to it, listening to it, and learning and learning the ability to tr- how to negotiate and, 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 and to communicate is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody saying I need some lemons in my, uh, in my uh, tea or you forgot uh, the, the, uh, uh, I ordered uh, dark fried chicken, but I got white. That's, that's easy fix, but I'm, I'm just talking about seeing how Seeing how hard and how passionate my mother-in-law and father-in-law wanted to, this to be a success and knowing how imperfect human beings are and seeing those, those, those vulnerable moments and stuff like that and being involved in it, it, I really believe it made my kids better people. I just, I, I have, it made them sensible. It made them, they were already sensible, but they're very, very uh, comfortable and competent in dealing with folk. They were they they know how to deal with adverse situations, but also they've learned hands on how to trust their faith and their 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 instincts and their judgment. What's kept y'all together and made y'all have a strong relationship? I try to go to bed before she do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I love her. I married my best friend. How do y'all handle all this chaos? And <laughs> I laugh about it and, all the and time. And do it together. Like she said, she's the organized one. I'm the one that's, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. I'm always, oftentimes, the biggest person in the room. So she tries not to have me up front because I, people ask some unreasonable and ridiculous stuff, and I, I'm, I'm not having it. <laughs> so he hasn't always been like that. Oh God, he has. What the success of the restaurants bringing out of him? I mean, <laughs> I'm a very compassionate. He used to person. be a little bit more uh, tactful in the things that he does. I'm getting too old for that. Depending on what days it is, he'll just shoot from whatever 
comes out, comes out, you know? What about, what about you, Patrice? What do you think? Life change, career change, taking on this place, continuing to build it into what it is. World-renowned restaurant <laughs> stands for so much more than just incredible food. So much history and transformation that we talked about earlier on in the conversation. I mean, I, I read something that your father said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but said, what is needed here is somebody who's determined, committed, hardworking person with insight. I think that's the way he described you. So, but here you are, I mean, and I can edit this out, but I've heard you sometimes put others in front of yourself, even from a payment standpoint. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Taking care of your people. Yeah, I haven't gotten paid in the last four months. And that's why the prices are going up. And, but y'all are here yeah. together. And a lot of couples, especially when things are so interwoven like that, I'm just curious from a mirror standpoint, have y'all been able to navigate it together? Yeah, uh, I'm a, what you just stated that you heard my dad quote, I would say that's probably me, uh, sum up me as a person. However, um, the way we've been able to make it work is because of hard work and determination. And I guess I'm one of those that I, I refuse to fail. Failure is not an option with this. It's, it's just not an option. And I think that's you, the show title right there. <laughs> Joelle was graduated from high school. Mm. Her graduation was actually May 22nd of 2016. How do I remember that so well? My dad died May 20th, 2016, two days before she graduated from high school. Mm. We had already been talking about it. He knew he was tired, but he had already asked me, and I agreed to come work and help him run the restaurant full time when we took her to school. Because, again, I said the church had served its purpose for me and my family. My children were going on to school. You can see it now. I didn't need now. that flexibility anymore. You know, not that anymore. So, unfortunately, he got sick. I wasn't supposed to come here until August. Right. But he got sick January and just kind of quickly, a 10-week span, just went down. And he passed. Mm -hmm. So, I ended up leaving. I would given them a notice. They had... 10, 10 to 11 months. I knew this. The church. Yeah. And they didn't believe her. They didn't believe me. And it wasn't until my daddy got sick. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be leaving before August. And I ended up leaving church March 31st, 2016 was my last full-time day at church. A couple months before. So I came here and I've been here. Even though I had agreed to come work with my daddy, it was never a dream of mine. But the beautiful was, part about it is, not to cut you off, I'm just thinking about it, how organized she is, like her mom, that was not my father-in-law. He met, She made it better. Ooh, well, no, no, no. no, what, no what, my, what, what my I'm dad saying was is, just the opposite. What I'm saying is he wanted her to come and work with him, so he was going to show her how he did everything, uh, okay, in this restaurant. My mom was very organized. My daddy was, was very not, disorganized. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So you kind of <laughs> took it to a better place. Well, we took it to a better place I because... Well, we, yeah, we had to, but at the same time, too, he, he in his own way of, of doing things, being such an independent person, did things that made sense to him. And you had to catch on or get rolled over. Yeah. And this guy that's on this picture right here, the middle picture, at the, right up under the big picture. Yes, ma'am. At the BTW podium. He tells me all the time that 
I like Patrice's four way. Yeah, it's a whole much lot better. better than I like yeah. Willie Earl's four way. She get mad. She, she, she get mad like, all no. the time when he says well, that. Well, because I'm a daddy's girl. Because she'll like tell me, talk about my dad. Well, but to her to her point, she was the right person and the best person to take this over because it was just it's her birthright. That's number one. Because of and how how providential things is because of my 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 vast restaurant experience and restaurant knowledge. I told us, baby, you know, okay, you, you can do this, but I, I'm going to help you do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. That one, Papa either refused or he just couldn't comprehend that needed to be done. And one of the things was my wife, when she talked about her faith, everything she prays for, she gets. When he passed on and she took it over, I'll never forget it. When she came home and she was saying X, Y, Z about something was going on in the kitchen. So for whatever reason, I'm listening to her. I'm listening to her pray. And, and, I, we've, and we found somebody to, to alleviate that situation. And it worked out for a while. But in order for it to get better, she, she, she wanted something else. And so it was so funny. I, I can see it like I'm looking at you right now. Before I'm leaving to go to work, she's telling me about, What's going on in the kitchen and back of the house? And, then, and my phone ring. My phone rings. And it's Ms. Dewana Hill calling me and telling me that she had just lost her job. I'm listening to my, mom, my, my wife talk about what's going on, stuff like that. And Ms. Dewana is trying to explain to me she lost her job. And I'm listening. I said, Dewana, you start work tomorrow morning at the four-way. And I need you to meet me there at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's you talking to her. That's me talking to her. My wife said, baby, we can't afford it. And I said, baby, we can't afford not to have her. I said, and by the way, because I would always open up the, 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 rest, the restaurant doors, let people in while she slept a while to then come in. And I said, and by the way, Patrice, I'm giving her my key. I said, Dewana, you're the kitchen manager. You, you, you're my, and they knew each other and stuff like that, but you're going to run this, and you and my wife are going to work well together. And, and, I mean, and it just took off. And so I tell that story because it was providential. She was praying for stuff. And I, one thing, you said why, how our marriage worked, I do not like my wife disappointed. I can't deal with that. So you do whatever it takes, whatever you can on your end. Whatever I have to do to, to alleviate that situation or to help her make it right, even if she don't even ask for it, that's just how I'm, I'm wired. But it just worked. I mean, the girl called me. She was trying to, and she was called because she knew I knew people in the restaurant business and I could find a job. I said, you start to work tomorrow. And so my wife, baby, we can't, I said, baby, money's not the issue. This is what we're going to do. And, and, we, and, and, we, and they, unfortunately for me, they on my ass <laughs> all, all the time. Who's on your ass? Her and Dewana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my wife and Dewana. Because Dewana's still running the kitchen? That's, who just, that, left that's who just left. Yeah. Something smells really good. I don't know what it is. It smells so about 40 minutes that, ago. That was, that, was, that, was the, <laughs> I was, that was the part to get it to the next level. But what really took it to the next level, like she was talking about service, and I told her, I said, we got to put more people on the floor. Because people come here, it's, it's not only a place where people eat and meet, but we got to meet and exceed their expectation on service. And I would always tell people that when you walk in this place, consider it Disneyland. And everybody said, well, how would you say Disneyland? See, if you ever go to Disneyland, do you ever see gum on the ground? Do you ever see anybody complaining? Do you ever, I mean, everything is just right on point. So when you come to work, this is your Disney World. You take care of it like it's, like it's Disney World. And, and, and it was so funny because then, believe it or not, some black folks are like, man, look at all these white people in here. I'm like, white people like soul food too? 
<laughs> but you know, it's our our situation. They're in the hood. What's, what's the yeah? It's our neighborhood. Well, and, 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 <laughs> and he mentioned earlier about this being the poorest poorest zip code in the state of Tennessee. Even though we're the poorest zip code in the state of Tennessee. We don't give the poorest service no, we don't in the, the state of Tennessee. No, that's not that's, that's not unacceptable. World-renowned restaurant. We're the way going you run to it. give if you. I don't. They might burn your chicken today, accidentally, or they might give you some chicken that didn't quite get ready. And when you go to bite in, they might have a little breadness in it. But whatever happens here in this building, my staff care. knows there's no excuse for not giving good service. Cause we can get you another chicken leg that's right. not burnt or get, that's not bloody. Can't get another but customer. You, you <laughs> service is is got to be one hundred all the time. How are you able to stay locked in on those principles when there's so many things that can make you want to compromise? It's simple. It's my foundation. That's what Treat makes people the way safe. you want to be treated. I know, Treat but I'm, I'm just curious if you're if let's say it's the numbers are off, short staffed, COVID nineteen. Some things you don't compromise. You don't on. compromise. So what, what, and 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 staying that way, like I was getting ready to say, is my foundation. That's what I know. That's what I'm going to do. Budging off it. You and don't care. If you come in here and work, when I interview you, when I interview, he interviews sometimes too. But when I interview, you find that out on the front end. On the front end. And guess what? You could come work for me next week. I'm gonna know within 48 to 72 hours. If may go, push to 72 hours. I'm gonna know whether or not you're gonna make it or break it. What are you you're gonna not. read, or what would I need to do to follow to, directions? Because it's, cause it's very it. simple. Just you just follow directions. You you do what you said. You do what you told, and you use your senses. I mean, you 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 recognize this is a team. You got to participate in the team activity. And if you're, because believe it or not, you will know within 48 hours if you're going to be a team player or not. If they're going to come and tell her, somebody's going to say such and so, so we're going to have a conversation about it. Because the reality to work here at the four-way, you don't need to have an abundance of restaurant experience. You need to be a self-motivated, determined, and dedicated team player. With the ability to want to help other people. Exactly. And if you have those qualities, people laugh at me, but I tell them all the time, in order to work in the kitchen, you need to be able to read and write. I mean, read and um, do math. Right. Basic math. Adding, subtracting, so follow, follow, and mul- multiplying. And so forth. For several reasons, because our tickets shoot straight back to the uh, kitchen. So if you're going to work on the line and fill a plate, you got to know that it's saying turkey and dressing greens and yams. If you can't read turkey and dressing greens and yams, you can't or put the, the food can't work on here. the food. Nope. If it says a cheeseburger with no onions, no, you know, you got to be able to read these. So you need those basic fundamental skills. So what do you think is going to happen? You've referenced earlier more kind of macro trends or things about jobs not being filled, turnover being incredibly high across lots of different industries, you know, retail, restaurant, manufacturing, all these all these lines of work, a lot of turnover, a lot of unfilled jobs. Here you got it sounds like coming in, hired a great person and a great story there and running the kitchen. Y'all have got high attention to detail. I mean, even when I got here, y'all were closing. People were mopping things up, cleaning everything up. Really just it, it looks and feels 
like excellence and like a commitment to making it 10 out of 10. Where y'all think about where y'all at right now and thinking about serious things regarding labor, employment, <laughs> what's that feel like? Very excited. <laughs> I mean, I'm very excited. Why? I'm, I'm very excited for, for things that want, I can't control because that allows me to trust my faith. And for one, number two, when we closed down with COVID, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know. We, nobody knew. So we're sitting in bed and we're talking and I said, baby, we're going to go in inventory our food. And then we're going to do something that being poor growing up in, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, when, when mom and dad were short on the rent money, they would fry chicken and fry fish and they, they sold plates to make the rent. And I said, what we're going to do, we're going to inventory our stuff, we're going to put it out on Facebook, and we're going to make sure everybody have it by, by uh, Sunday at 11. They got till Wednesday to place their order and pay for it. Oh, not only place your order, but pay for it. In advance. In advance, and come pick it up on Friday between 11 and 2. And she looked at me and said, that's what we're going to do. You're a hustler. You gotta be. And so she's like, but I don't know all the meanings for that word, but I mean in this standpoint, scrappy. Well, what what hustle however you want to do it, Figure but I mean, it out. it's just common sense. Solve that, problems. One, we got all this food in here. It's gonna go to waste. And before it go to waste, we'll might as well just cook it and, and feed the homeless. But if we have a chance to uh, uh, uh make uh Keep one, keep some of our employees because I, I, we can't afford to lose Dewana Hill and, and, and Diane. We can't. We can't. We just can't. So we we did that, and it and it showed us how resilient we are and how much we believe in one another and Dewana. And, and we came, we knocked out, and we was out of here by three three o'clock. We did that what thirteen Fridays in a row. 18 weeks in a row where people would have just locked up. And that's what we were doing. And, and people were so happy that not only were they tipping us, they was giving us extra money. People was coming and saying, here, I don't want anything, but here's $100. Oh, we, my gosh. Here's a, here's a thousand. I mean, you, you got a thousand dollar check. And, I mean, all type of things. But here again, it's here for us to decide. And, and, and bottom line, if we can't find any employees, guess what we're going to do? You'll work. We're going to work. Guess what we're going to do? We're just gonna go to to go only until it get better. This yeah, is we did to go only after we did what he's saying. Right. We did open back up and we did to go only for four days a week. Four days a week. And we so, did that for. We have so many opportunities. We got opportunities. We did to sell that for a year. Yeah, we got opportunities to sell our food over, uh, 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 across the country. I mean, when we got that building over there, we were in plans on uh, catering. Cater, not only just catering, but I'm talking about shipping it. Uh, 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 to Chicago, people calling us in Anchorage, Alaska after, after the commercials, can I get turkey and dressing shipped here? So we, we didn't investigate all those things. So if it don't get better, it's going to get better for us. But what you're saying is you're as resilient or more resilient than most anyone else. So people that aren't that scrappy or people that aren't that committed to it, they might not make it. But at the end of the day, people are still going to want great food, great experience, Absolutely. and you're and you're going to be here. Uh, we, and, we, and you and you're going to run a tight ship, and you're going to find a way. Just like when you talked about the pandemic, instead of just putting a lock on the doors, y'all started doing takeout only. Screw it, we're going to figure out whatever pre, we got to do. Prepaid, to make it show you, show you, you prepaid for your food before you came and got it. We didn't even take cash. <laughs> and yes, you're right. Simple, simple. <laughs> 
wait till someone up his commitment. That was my father-in-law's dying wish. My his dying, my my wish. He told me, "Do not let this fail. It's not gonna fail." Y'all made it better. So we're committed. I say that respectfully, but it sounds like we're committed to sticking with this for the long haul. And my whole goal and desire is to do some things different. Because I don't necessarily want to say better, but a lot of people tell us, but different things than from what my parents did. Right. It's a different time. To take the restaurant to a different level. I think we've done that. And wow, bam, we got slapped in the face with a pandemic. (laughs) But even with that, it has caused us and required us to be innovative and resourceful with what we were dealing with. We are blessed to have two very intelligent children who eventually will take over, and I expect them to take it to another level. Meanwhile, fortunately, Joelle is here in Memphis going to grad school, so she's able to help now. And y'all were talking earlier about seeing things that changed over time. I have watched her mature a oh lot. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Just, uh, my goodness. In the last, since, since she left to go to school in Since the ownership that she's taken on. Oh my ownership and her um, demeanor. I am a very uh, straightforward person. If you ask me something, and if you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask me. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. I can feel you filling me out <laughs> on the first I was like, However, my daughter is like me, but... She didn't quite have the tact that I had. I wouldn't just go in on you. She she go in. She was tact. She didn't know what that meant. She going in. She's just going in. But I've noticed her maturity and she's grown a lot. People come in here all the time complaining. They don't want to take spend um 15% on a service charge. Why are you charging me this? Well, why can't I get but one piece of bread? Why can't I get another cranberry sauce? Extra, because we only give one per dressing. If you like extra, you pay $0.25 cent for it. So back in the day, she would tell me, Mama, I don't want to do that because I can't stand when people just are crazy. She's gotten to a point where she can deal with it now. She she's laughed grown. It off and she, and yeah, I know she it's called it. maturity. But even if in maturity, she's even accepted the fact of being able to actually confront. She'd rather go back in the kitchen and work. Do you want to confront customers? What happens if she or your son doesn't want to take over the restaurant? I personally would not force them. No. I would try to encourage them, but I wouldn't force them because I don't believe that that would be the right thing to do. And we explained to them, you may not want to physically hands-on do what we're doing, but you need to put your mind and emotion in and hire somebody to do the job because it's going to stay open. That was a commitment that you made to your grandmother and grandfather, and that's the commitment we've made to the community. And my my commitment to, my personal commitment to my children is that as long as the Lord continues to wake me up every day and allows me to see the daylight daily and live, I will keep this going and hold on to it and do what I can to keep it open for you. Meanwhile, allowing you to live out some of your dreams. Right. Like, she's always wanted to be a doctor. I told you she decided she wasn't going to do the medical school, but she still wants to get her PhD. I'm not going to stop my child from doing that. That's a dream for her. For whatever reason, that's her dream. I'm going to let her 
live out her dream. Go get it. That's so unique hearing you say that because, I mean, life's complicated and it's always easier to have an opinion about something when you're not in the middle of it. But, I mean, I know of people in my head right now where I'm thinking about just the strife that happens with the family where, you know, somebody wants something a certain way and it just creates... And what I'm hearing you say, I mean, that's why I asked that question. I know clearly how you're going to answer it. But what I feel like you're saying is there's this trust and there's this like devotion to the work. There's this pride in the restaurant and the community. But at the same time, it's almost like there's this maturity or wisdom. It feels like what you're saying that at the end of the day, things are going to work out the way they're supposed to. And if you try to control or push somebody in a certain direction, that's not going to be advantageous for the restaurant at all. So it's like not not going to be advantageous for them either. And my, our son, they are alike in some ways, but so different in other ways. But he wants to be an entrepreneur. That's his goal. That's his vision. Of multiple businesses. So this, the four-way, would just be one of his businesses that he'll Real be uh, an owner of. Retail. But, uh, so I feel like their day and time will That's come coming. when it's supposed to. Right. I am... Um, They'll tell you all the time, I'm a strong believer there's a place and time for everything and everybody. And But you asked both of us independently, have your mother and father tried to uh, uh, hinder you from following your dream? And they won't say yes. Anything that they've dreamed that they want to do, okay, let's go get it. And I'm not only like that with... Not the two just, children yeah. that I gave birth we other, to. We got other folk that we, we have get into. so many kids. Um, All the other people you poured oh into. Oh, man. Kids Please. that come in into this restaurant, and they may work from ninth grade through twelfth <laughs> grade, go away to college, and for holidays they'll come and work for holidays or whatever, or they graduate. You know, you graduate from college, that doesn't mean you're gonna have a job as soon as you get out of school. You that, know that picture. And, um, picture right there. There's a gentleman that works for us. His first job was here at the forward when my father-in-law was alive, graduated from Howard University with a degree in architecture. He did that rendering. He designed it, but he also works here. He still works here. He still works here. He works for Self Tucker right now. Self Tucker, but he still works here, but he is committed to this community as well. But he works here on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because of his commitment not only to my dad, my parents, our family, the community, but His church. <laughs> those particular kids like him, and he's a young man, so he's, what, 24. But the young people like him, they know, yes, I need you. I want the best of the best. I want the cream of the crop to be here at the four-way to help represent us. However, I also want you to go forth and do what you're meant to be. I mean, do what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to hold anybody back. So that patio... It's his design, so we're going we're gonna to do that. Hopefully that everything works out next year. That's going to be, be a part of it. We have aspirations and dreams for the property behind us and stuff like that, that not only it's not just our dream, but it's Joel's dream, it's Glenn's dream, it's, it's, it's uh, Rashawn's dream, and the gentleman John's dream. And we told him, hey, that's fine. Be committed to the cause. Participate. When you're here, help out. And so what you're saying, this is how things continue to change and transform or Absolutely. get back to the way it was. Absolutely. Because these the, the story, the roots. Right. He doesn't have to be working here and no. being an architect. No, no, no. But, that's, but then he's, gonna, he's got a story connected to it just the way that you he's, com- he's connected to this community, and he wants, he wants to see it succeed. He gave a heartfelt talk at our church 
when he was in college about his first job and how my father-in-law, the owner of this place, he noticed that he was the owner of this restaurant was the person that was taking out the trash. And he wasn't just taking out, he would break down every box and he would maximize every piece of space. And that stuck in Glenn's head. And he shared that story at the church and it just filled our hearts up. And so when, uh, I mean, this is community. So, hey, you the ar- architect, design it. He Let's, said it didn't make sense to him at the time, but apparently my daddy would break the box down and, and, and time up the boxes, stack, stack, stack. And he had zip ties. And he would time and up time. Well, to maximize the space in the dumpster. So he have to, instead of them picking up twice a, a week, they're picking up once a week. Yeah. Saving money. But you just Put, learn things You like learn that. those type of things. What do y'all want to see, let's say, 15 years from now, knowing where you're at now, knowing where you've been the last few years and the change and the progress that's being taken place, the dreams that y'all have, talking about buying a lot next door talking about not just catering, but shipping food around the country, whatever happens. What do y'all want to see 15 years from now? Hmm. (laughs) Honestly, them, my children, uh, (laughs) running things again, like we said earlier, at a different level, doing things differently. And the things that we have acquired in the last... I guess, 12 months to 18 months. And I say things, meaning uh, land and property right in around. We've had the opportunity to acquire two pieces of property right here. And basically just expanding, expanding, expanding on, on what we've acquired. Expanding uh, and doing positive things with it. Like what? Con- Go ahead. Like I'm, I'm, No, I was going to say continue to give and enhance the community, enhance community. And the, that they're living in. Economic, economic development is the cornerstone to any successful community, any successful community. You have to have the buy-in. And what I mean is I don't need politicians to say, well, we're going to create a TIF fund for it. TIF's not going to do it for us. Because bottom line, the only way a city can operate is if its businesses are successful enough taking in money that the taxes that they pay the city can use for the fire, for the police. So it all works hand in hand. So we don't, you know, and here in this community, everybody thinks because it, it's, the, it's the poorest community in, 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 in uh, the state that the, the, these, these nonprofits are the way to go. I don't need nobody to give me any money. I need somebody to invest in, in the property and do the right thing and, and encourage people to come here. People come from all over the world to eat here. I have, we've had situations where individuals have come hit to eat here, and they say, well, I'm going to walk to, uh, ask me how far is Elvis Presley's place. And I tell me seven miles away, so oh, we're going to walk. And then people look and say, you ain't walking in these communities. <laughs> but my point being, they don't know. All they know is the king is there, the four ways here, the, uh, the civil rights movement. And five miles is no big deal. It's no I big deal. do 20 a day. I, you know? I do 20 a day. Well, like, but, but you don't do but, it through the hood. <laughs> but yeah, but it, uh, uh, we had a situation where a young lady was on her way home for, from Georgetown University, a black young black lady from Georgetown University on her way home uh, to Dallas, and she stopped me and my two uh, nephews. They didn't know who I was, and she said, is this a safe place? It's Saturday morning. And I'm looking at them, looking at me. I said, yeah, it's a safe place. She said, no, no, they, no. Is it really, really safe? I said, yes, ma'am, it's really, really safe. So she came in, and so, and then... Uh, she had heard about the restaurant. She had heard about the restaurant. Would you believe what she did? What? Took her before she took got a wig off, put her money in her shoe. She stuck her money down in her sock before she came in because she wasn't sure that she, 
she heard about it and had looked online and found it and saw the reviews and was compelled to come based on that. But then when she got here, she was looking around and she Just, wasn't sure. She wasn't feeling it. She came in, but she put, she told us, she said, I stuck my wallet and everything down in my socks because I was scared. And But that's their perception. And, and she, she took like, I think, 20 or $25 out and put it in her pocket and was like, I'm going to have to stay within this money because I'm not pulling nothing else right. out. And so my, that, that, that story. Did that piss you off? Uh, that might not be the best No, it, 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 it pissed me off because that's not how I see this community. And I was going to say, it may have pissed off me up in the right word, but I guess because, like I told you, I didn't live in this neighborhood, but I've been in this neighborhood. I've never had a problem in this neighborhood. That's what I said. We so never had a problem. it was very annoying, even though we have some rough situations in this neighborhood and rough people, drug dealers. Gang bangers. Gang, I mean, whatever, yeah. whatever you say. I mean, Just I mean, little bombs or people... What do you call them? Begging. Begging. Um, panhandlers. They'll, they'll come we're here. We're always running a lady out. I feed, we, we feed people all the time. Asking money. For, if my you came here, is, you need to ask money. If you drove up. It's your first time coming yeah. here, and somebody's out there asking for money. So how are you going to feel about it? And, and the premise would be when I, when I was in the food business, I would always tell individuals that own their business, the two things you need to do. Make sure your damn parking lot is clean. <laughs> and make sure your bathrooms are clean, especially if they bring in a, a lady or the wife. If the bathrooms, I don't care how good, good your food. If the bathrooms are dirty, the woman ain't going to want to eat here. And if I'll be situations, uh, oftentimes I'll be sweeping the front uh, and, and the employees asking me, what you doing? I said, man, there's trash out in front of your doorstep. That stuff, I mean, people look, people see those type of things before they come in. And so you, you want the expectation, you want to make meet and exceed their expectation. Yeah. So 15 years, which it sounds like y'all are already buying up land around but y'all just want community. You want restaurants. You want coffee shops. You want dry cleaners. And we want thriving neighbors, and happy neighbors. And y'all and y'all are doing <laughs> we whatever. We want you, neighbors. Cause right <laughs> now, honestly, we, we don't have a neighbor across the street. And right now, you're doing what you can to be a conduit of that, or can, yes, a continue, absolutely, and absolutely. snowball it. Absolutely. This has been awesome. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you feel would be? beneficial to make sure we cover we are memphis the four-way is memphis tennessee we are the 901 we represent it well we breathe it we eat it we live it we love it and we're determined to make sure that we do everything in our power and our breath to make sure that we not only promote it positively but encourage others to do the same and the only thing I would like to say, honestly, is whomever is listening, especially Memphians, thank you for... Oh, thank you very much for your ...being support. our supporters, Couldn't whether you've you. been to the four-way one time or you come once a week or twice a week. We have people who come here every day, literally. I have a few customers that come every day we're open. Or every weekend. But whomever you are, we thank you and we appreciate you 100% because we couldn't make it without you. And we do realize and recognize that there are other places that you can choose to eat. You make it a choice to come to the four-way. And we appreciate, and we appreciate that. This has been awesome. But to that point, there's a lot of restaurants that don't want to make their place feel like Disneyland. 
<laughs> so it ain't like charity for the people coming here enjoying this awesome food and the clean atmosphere and everything in between. I'm very grateful that, uh, you know, our friend Whitney made this happen, and I'm grateful that y'all would give me the time. I know time is something that y'all don't have an abundance of, but this has been such a fun interview, and I'm very grateful, and I'm, I'm grateful to, to meet y'all. Well, that goes both ways, but we'll solidify it when we see you here eating. You will. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Since you've made it this far in the show, I wanted to share with you something that you may love. A few months ago, I was asked to interview a close friend's grandmother who's in her 90s. She lives outside of the United States, and this was a way to get to the heart of her and capture her life in a way that could stay with the family for generations to come. This interview was an absolute blast, and it brought tremendous joy and value to this family. Since then, I started doing this for others. If you have someone you love or know of someone whose story and life you'd love to capture in an interview, go to mystorytold.org to learn more. My team and I would love to discuss this with you further. Finally, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Driven By Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review. Please subscribe to the show and you can follow me on social, on Twitter and Instagram to join me for future episodes of the Driven By Podcast. Hope you have a great week and see you next time.